Are there times you feel your life isn't where you dreamed it would be? Do you wake up and feel like saying, I don't know if this routine is making me happy? Without the freedom to think and direct our own lives, other people do it for us. The point you start to feel off balance is tough. You question your own ability. This podcast will give you fascinating new perspectives, tools and methods from the greatest minds across the world. You'll become part of a global community, meeting people on a journey to invest in themselves first. These perspectives and tools will show you how to unlock your freedom of thought and become the master of your own life. So, let's get started. Welcome to The Shea Show. This is the leading podcast to help you learn incredible new perspectives and become the master of your own life. You can connect with Shay at shay-doran.com. For now, open your mind, be present. It's time to begin a new journey to your self-directed life. You got this. Yes, good morning, good afternoon. First question, how is day seven of the 21-day challenge going from last week? For those of you who are taking the challenge, congratulations, because you're already one third of the way through, which is awesome. This week, we're talking about a technique called anchoring. Would you say that there have been times you've avoided a negotiation or felt really awkward or pressured? Have you walked away thinking, I wish I could have done a bit better there. Why didn't I push harder? We negotiate in our lives every single day from our unconscious actions, like the right time to cross the road or buying something in the supermarket, to those situations we're fully conscious and aware of, and they can seem quite daunting. Pay rise discussions, business deals, buying or selling a home. In a work context, depending on the industry that you're in, negotiating can be hailed as this grand skill. You see on job descriptions, must have strong negotiation skills. And you have this preconceived idea that you must be able to stand your ground in negotiations, that it's about absolute confidence, power, almost fear-mongering in some ways to the other person. In reality, a great negotiator has given themselves the ability to do three things. Number one, understand deeply their own view. Number two, understand the view of the other person and appreciate that. And number three, understand how those two views work together and appreciate how the two views work together to meet at a point that's right for both parties. So in some ways, you could say that being a great negotiator is about being diplomatic. It's about having awareness. When it comes to these day-to-day big moment negotiations, we can be very easily influenced as human beings. And whether you like it or not, it happens and that's part of our DNA. Being easily influenced or not obtaining the outcome that you hoped for really all leads you to feeling generally quite bad about yourself. I wish that had have gone better. 
I could have done that in a different way. I didn't do this right. Or you feel frustrated, cheated, you feel at a loss. I mention in quite a lot of these podcasts the term of shrinking yourself. And that's certainly what's happening here too. This feeling of loss can really put you down and make you feel quite upset or makes you question yourself. The goal of today is to change that, if you'd like to. We'll uncover the fascinating reason about why we're so easily influenced and include examples of times that you may have been unconsciously influenced. And so you'll gain a new perspective today, though you will also gain a new method to add to your toolkit. And that method will make a huge difference to the negotiations that you have. Let's start with why. Why and how are we easily influenced in these situations? Well, your brain uses the immediate information, the immediate set of facts that you have around you at any given moment. And that sounds very obvious, though the tricky part comes when our brains are overly influenced by that first bit of information that's received. And usually when we're in some kind of situation where a decision needs to be made. And that is when we're in the danger zone of making our decision too early without equal facts. It's what gives us the feeling of not being happy with the outcome. Let's talk about a few examples. Imagine that you're getting a taxi, not using an app. You'd usually start with asking the question, how much is it to get to wherever you're heading? You probably already have a figure in your mind, say eight pounds. Though the taxi driver is the first to say the figure, they say 16 pounds. It's double what you thought. Now you are the one that has to adjust your expectations and you have to begin to negotiate down from £16. And of course, there's other factors that may influence this decision, like how you're feeling about the weather. If it's raining, you're more likely to just accept the price and get in the taxi. Maybe if it's uh, nice weather, the sun is shining, you're happy to stand outside and negotiate a bit more. But the fact is that you are negotiating down from that £16 point. Another example, imagine yourself in a craft market. You've seen an item that you really like and you probably have an idea in your mind of how much you're willing to pay or how much you think it's worth, let's say £20. And you ask, how much is this? Then it's either good or bad. It's a higher price. The person tells you it's £40, double the amount you expected that you really want it. And now you have to negotiate down from this £40 point because that is the first figure that's been verbally put out there. This is a clever strategy and many companies have mastered this, not the least supermarkets. They're a great example. Imagine you're going into your local store, you're looking for a bottle of wine. On the bottom shelf, you see the own brand, £3.00. Middle of the shelf, £10. Top of the shelf, £20. Which one are you likely to go for? The £10 one, right? It's the middle of the shelf. 
It's the one that you see directly first of all. I have a problem with this because I'm six foot seven, so you can imagine which of the price bottles that I'm looking at first of all. So you know that supermarkets have their value ranges or their cheaper ranges. That's not necessarily to offer great value all the time. Ultimately, it makes you more likely to reinforce your buying choice to the middle priced product and the supermarket takes a bigger cut. It was the first price you saw directly, that £10 bottle of wine. So that is the anchor. There's a couple of things going on here. Number one, to summarise those examples, you are being influenced by the immediate figure that is put out there. The immediate figure that you see or hear. Number two, in the relevant situations, you are waiting for somebody else to go first. They make the first move. And they are now in a position of power. You have to adjust from that point downwards. This is exactly what anchoring is. It's when we allow something to have a disproportionately high influence in our decision-making process. A very well-known scientific experiment, if you'd allow me to share that for a moment, really brings to life and simply shows the beautiful power of anchoring. There was a group of people asked to spin a wheel and the wheel was numbered 1 to 100. After they span the wheel, of course it would stop and land on a certain number. Then they were asked to estimate the percentage of African countries in the United Nations. You know what I'm going to say next. Those that landed on the higher number when they spanned the wheel estimated the percentage of African countries in the United Nations to be higher. And those that landed on a lower number when they spanned the wheel estimated a lower number of African countries in the UN. And there was a difference of 20%. These answers ranged from 25% to 45%. So you can see the impact that the very first figure in that situation that the arrow landed on when they span the wheel. You can see the impact that that first figure has. It's cool, though it's also kind of scary that our minds can be so easily influenced by the first information that we see or hear or that we're given. Right, let's get down to a work context, specifically salary negotiations, which can seem pretty daunting. As a result, you may have found that you've waited for your boss or your employer to go first because you felt awkward about going first and you make up reasons to convince yourself like I will wait to see what they're going to offer I'm hoping for this amount I'm not sure if I deserve this amount let's see what they say first no these are reasons to pull the wool over your eyes you know why do you feel awkward well it's back to that animal brain again it's fear fear of judgment looking stupid, fear that you've gone in with an amount that's too high, losing something that you wanted or gaining something that you didn't want. It's why we make so many of our day-to-day -day decisions in the way that we do. And so you wait for the other person. Remember, you are in control of your animal brain and so you can influence this. 
hopefully today so far you've also seen what the impact is of letting the other person go first let's imagine that your current salary is 50k and you believe that this year you've earned a pay rise worth 5k the meeting is set up with your boss you've taken your normal approach you haven't put forward a case that 5k was just something that you had in your mind that you believed to be the right amount and that you'd worked hard for now picture yourself in that meeting and your boss says thanks very much for all of your hard work this year it's been great and it's helped us so much and as you know the salary increase pot is smaller and given the challenges that we've had with coronavirus this year but i have managed to secure one thousand pounds for you as a pay rise 1000 what's happening here this is now the first figure that has been mentioned so the negotiation and the conversation will begin at this point would you say it's likely to leave you feeling frustrated undervalued maybe you even become defensive about the fact that you've worked harder and that you deserve more either that or you start thinking oh maybe that 5k was a bit too ambitious Maybe it's a one-off because of how this year has been. So we're back to giving yourself the reasons and excuses as to why. Even if you then spend time in that meeting explaining all of the hard work that you've done and talking about specific examples, your boss will explain why that 1K is the right amount. And you can see this entire conversation now revolves around the £1,000 mark. It was the first figure to be mentioned, like the taxi like the market stall. You leave disappointed, questioning whether your work was good enough, whether they viewed you differently to how you viewed your own work, questioning whether your employer values you, you feel like you could have got more, feel frustrated. You start selling yourself short. And now all of these feelings shrink your mindset. They consume you with self-doubt. What can you do about this? From sharing a few examples today, you may already have some ideas in your head, which is great, that you want to go and try. And I'd like to suggest two simple pieces of advice if you'd like to try them. Now, I believe that they will really help you with these negotiations. Number one, go first. We've seen what happens when you go first and you put the first number or piece of information out there. Scientifically, it's proven that people who go first are more likely to end up closer to their goal. So put the work in in order to arrive at the figure that you believe is fair. Have the evidence to back that up and be the one to put that figure out there first. Number two. Understand and preempt the other person's perspective. What are they likely to say? What would you say if you were in their position? What challenges or other pressures do they have that you don't? And then come up with the evidence in your mind to counter that. You go first, you back it up with your own evidence, and then even if there's a challenge from the other party, you've already put in the thought to understand that challenge and now you're able to counter it and further back up what your ask is. So those two things put you 
in the best possible position. Now, if you can't go first, here's two further pieces of advice. Try your hardest not to focus on that other person's figure so that the whole negotiation and conversation doesn't revolve around it. Come in with your amount and then give your evidence. The second piece of advice is okay to ask for more time. Time can make us feel like we have this added pressure, this unnecessary pressure in these kind of situations. It doesn't have to be that way. It's absolutely fine to ask for more time to go away and do your research and then come back with your point. So number one, go first. Number two, understand that other person's perspective genuinely and counter it with your own evidence. Prepare for that. I hope you found this a useful tool to add to your bag. And ahead of the salary negotiations, I personally would like to say, you've got this. You have tremendous value to add, without a doubt. And well done for making these conversations happen. Okay, that's it for this week. My one ask is for you to kindly think of one person who you believe would benefit from today's episode and to send it on to them. Thank you for doing that. Next week, we'll be talking about the power of letting go of expectations. Have you ever felt let down by something or by someone? In the past, have you built up a picture of how something could be in your mind only to find it wasn't quite that way and you felt deflated? If yes is the answer, I believe next week will be really helpful for you. I look forward to seeing you then next Thursday morning. Thank you and love you all. Go to Shay-Doran.com to connect with Shay and find out more about becoming a Group X member. 